saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rohan Chakravarti Show. And we've got a very special guest today, a first-timer on the show, Vish Kumaran. Vish, how are you doing today, my guy? Dude, I'm good. It's I'm happy to be on. I think you and I talked about getting me on maybe a year ago, and then I was going through some things at the time, so I wasn't able to really get on a lot of shows, and then I was going on vacation. And then it's been a while, so we never were able to do this. So I'm fi- happy to finally be on your show and do this with you it's pretty exciting yeah and uh appreciate the time obviously you've been one of the more interesting 49er creators to kind of keep in touch with um over the the last year and obviously you produce great content cool to see you with Niners Nation now yeah I I'm actually not like necessarily with them I was just doing that show with Rob the podcast yeah yeah and so then now Rob's no longer at the network so I I don't really know what to call myself I've always been kind of unaffiliated I'm just a fan mostly I like football I do this because I like talking about football with people and I found that there's finally an audience of people that aren't sick of talking football 24 7 which is nice yeah yeah, no, definitely. And I think that that's what separates you. And that's why we're here, football. So let's get into it and let's talk a little bit about this upcoming game. But before we kind of get into the matchups and all the stuff we want to talk about, right after the uh, 49ers defeated the Dallas Cowboys at Levi Stadium last week, kind of what was going through your head as you realized it's going to be 49ers Eagles in the championship round at Lincoln Field? Yeah, so... um I didn't have a lot of thoughts at the time other than Philadelphia is obviously a very talented team. Um, We saw what they did last weekend as well. They demolished the Giants. Um, And, you know, going to Philadelphia is always a difficulty. Going cross country to the East Coast, having to play there is a difficulty. But I actually was able to spend some time watching Philadelphia over the course of the week, which is not something I did a lot of this season. Um, I just wasn't really interested in watching them on TV. And then I didn't have any interest to watch him back over the course of the week. Um, So I was finally able to do that over the week. And my first thoughts after watching them was, wow, this is going to be a really, really tough game. Um, I see this a lot on both sides where both these teams, I see fans um, on Twitter and it is Twitter. So maybe it's unserious, but I I see a lot of trying to diminish what either of these teams are. And I don't really like that because when I, my first thoughts when I watch this is this is the two best teams in terms of, talent outside of the quarterback in the NFL. Like these two teams, when you look at the matchups on the line of scrimmage on the outside, um, the linebackers, the safeties, everybody involved in this game, the talent, it's a true heavyweight matchup. 
And going back to just liking football, yeah, I want the 49ers to win as a fan, but this is going to be an awesome game to watch just as a fan of football in general. I think I agree, and I really like the point you brought up about, you know, we've seen people try and diminish on both sides the uh, the really what the other team has done, and I, I don't think that that's fair to either team. When you talk about it, a lot of people try and bring up past games or record or where the 49ers lost this year to diminish them. Same with the Eagles losing to the Commanders earlier this season. And at this point, what I said yesterday is I don't think any of that matters. You're in the NFC Championship for a reason, and like you said, Roster-wise, there's no denying that these are the two strongest rosters in the NFC, maybe in all of football as well, when you talk about the entirety of the roster. And I think that that's why it's important to note how tough this is going to be for both teams. This is uh, a challenge. I mean, we say it every round as the playoffs continue, but this is a challenge that neither team has seen before. And that's why I don't know if the, the data that we've seen or the games that each team has lost really plays a role at all. I think it's got to be just focused on what's happening right now. How is the team now? Because the teams change every uh, as they are. They can get better, they can get worse. But what matters is how the team is playing now. And I think on both sides, both teams are playing pretty darn good football. We saw the Eagles demolish the Giants, like you said. And now the 49ers, while they had a tough matchup against the Dallas Cowboys, ended up coming through as the victors. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because you bring up that point of, you know, like it's how you are playing right now. It doesn't matter how you're playing before. And I like I 100 percent agree with that, because when you look at where the 49ers were when they lost to Chicago or lost to Denver, it's a completely different football team from them. Like there's players on this team that are yeah. completely different football players than they were then. Same thing with Philadelphia. You know, they started the season much faster than the 49ers, but same thing compared to, you know, when they lost to Washington. They're a completely different football team where they lost to New Orleans with Gardner Minshew starting. And that's where when you make the point that neither of these teams have seen um, a team like this, I think that needs to be reiterated because there's only two teams like this in the NFC. The way I see it is these two teams are so talented. If you go back the last 10 winners of the NFC, you could argue that either of these two teams could have beat those teams. Like that's how good I think both of these two teams are. And I think the NFC this year is so bad that these two teams have kind of been steamrolling the rest of the conference because of that. And we're going to finally see some equal competition. Dallas could compete on, you know, a good day with Philadelphia and the 49ers. And they kind of did, though I thought that game was made closer by the 49ers approach. I thought their approach was a little bit more conservative because they felt like the only way they could, you know, have Dallas beat them is if they gave the game away. And so they kind of played it conservative because they felt like if they didn't give the game away, Dallas wasn't capable of coming in there and beating them. And they were absolutely right. Dallas wasn't. And so when you look at that, I just see it as, again, this is going to be the ultimate heavyweight matchup. Like, this is as good as it gets. Two good offensive lines. One really good, one real, one good as well. Two really great defensive lines. Two good secondaries. Two good linebacking cores, I would say. You know, one that could be taken advantage of a little bit, maybe at times in Philadelphia. Though it's a good linebacking core. Two really well-coached teams. It's it's going to be a really special matchup. I agree. I definitely agree. And to transition a little bit, before we get to this matchup, Philadelphia, you talked about it, demolished the, the New York Giants really in every aspect of the game, won 38-7 last week and rushed for nearly 250 yards. Is there anything you personally think you can take away from that game that the 49ers should either be even more worried about or not? because of the difficulty of that matchup in comparison to the matchup that's coming in this week. 
Can you repeat that? Sorry about that. Nah, you're good. Do you think that there's anything to take away from the the the, the past game that Philly had because of how right. dominant it was, or do you think that because no, of the not... difficulty? Yeah, sorry about that. I, I had a momentary just blank in, in what you just told me. So, yeah, I don't think we can really take a lot from that. Um, The Giants just weren't a very talented football team. They were a great story. Brian Dayball is a great coach. Wink Martindale is a great defensive coordinator. And they made a lot of, you know, as the old saying goes, they made chicken salad out of chicken, you know what. And um, that's kind of how it was. They're not – they just weren't a very talented team. So I, I felt like – I thought they would play closer in the first half and ultimately Philadelphia would run away the same way the Niners ran away from the Seahawks where the talent would just overwhelm them. But Philadelphia's talent overwhelmed them from the moment the ball was snapped in the kick or the moment the moment the initial kickoff or the ball was initially kicked off and the first whistle was blown. Um, they had really no chance in that game. And I, I don't really look at it and say, oh, that's going to be, you know, something that you can look at and say that's what's going to happen in the Niners games because the talent of these two teams can't even be compared. The Niners are so much more talented at every position than the Giants. Like, what are we talking about? I, that's what, And I hate that recency bias too, right, because right. I've seen it also earlier in the, in the um, playoffs where a lot of people looked at the Cincinnati Ravens game, and right after that they were like, oh, maybe Cincinnati isn't as good. It's about matchups. Baltimore matched up very well with Cincinnati. They would have beaten them with a healthy Lamar Jackson because that was just a good matchup for them. And then, you know, Cincinnati was still really good. That's why they steamrolled Buffalo. And so I hate this just initial, what you talked about it, like in the moment, initial exactly. reaction, right? Because if you switch the Niners to playoff games, a lot of people are looking, coming into this and thinking, dang, the Niners are going to steamroll them because look what they did to Seattle in the second half. So I hate that kind of reaction to what just happened. We have a body of work with these two teams. I think it's going to be a really tight, close football game, and it's going to come down to everything that football games always come down to, big plays and turnovers. I agree. I do agree, especially with the turnover battle. I know you've seen it. We've all seen it. The turnover battle, the Niners have been the best team in football this year. That's why they have the best turnover differential. And they've also won the turnover battle in a, I think it's 12 games. I think they've gotten tied in maybe three or four games and then lost it in the four losses. They're 15 and 0 when they have there you go. um tied or won or the turnover battle. And then exactly. they are 0 and 4 when they have not won the turnover battle. So pretty simple formula. Yeah, you, you, you either turn the ball over more than your opponent and you lose, or you you win. That's exactly how the Niners have right. played this year. And recently they've been creating more turnovers really during this eight-game winning streak. Or well, now it's more than eight games. It's close to what is it now? 12 game winning streak. Yeah. They they continue to 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 get those turnovers during that during that stretch. And that's why I do want to talk about the difference between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys because the talking point from last week was that the Dallas Cowboys because of the way that they generated turnovers could provide a matchup uh for the 49ers in that department. What do you think are the differences between these two teams and ultimately why Philly is the better team? I it, it starts with their offenses, actually, right? Philly's offense puts a lot more pressure on you than Dallas's offense, right? The Niners took a conservative approach on offense and didn't let Micah Parsons ruin the game, really, for them because they knew Dallas's offense wasn't going to be able to do anything against the Niners' defense. And they were absolutely right. And once Tony Pollard went down, it was good night for Dallas's offense. Philly's defense, well, Philly's defense is similar in a lot of ways. I would say a little bit better than Dallas's, but, you know, Dallas has an excellent defense too. It's just Philly's offense 
is such a machine and it can put so many points on you with their run game. There's the talent they have, the way they use the zone read, the way they run RPOs off of the zone read and put conflict defenders in conflict and on first and second down. It's it's really, really good. It's really creative. And so because of that, I, I just look at it as you can ask me to compare and contrast Philly and Dallas's defense, and there's like eight or nine differences schematically. There's a few differences in personnel, but I think the point remains that they're both good defenses that are going to have opportunities to stop the Niners offense. The difference is there's more pressure on the Niners offense to score this week. One, you're on the road, but two, Philly's offense is going to not, you know, Dallas's offense scored 12 points. That's not going to happen this week. Yeah, and another big difference – why that offense is a little more explosive is Jalen Hurts and his dual threat ability. Obviously, him right. as a rusher that is really created for the 49ers. I saw the funny graphic this week of people trying to compare Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy by putting the last seven games or so and having that statistic. And it's a cool statistic. I mean, it just shows the impressive uh, part uh, start to Brock Purdy's career. But it also discludes the entirety of Jalen Hurts' rushing stats in terms of his yards and stuff. And that also is a huge part of his game. How do you think the Niners are going to be able to combat that? And do you think that that is a significant uh, cause of worry for you in this matchup? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The Niners are going to play a lot of zone, right? They're not going to play their usual match quarters coverage because they're not going to want to have eyes on these receivers. They're going to have want to have eyes on the quarterback and have vision on hurt so they can tackle him. So they're going to play a lot of zone, right? But even then, the thing with Philadelphia, yes, Hertz is running is really good, but it's how their scheme works with Hertz is running. So they have the zone read, right? And they use the zone read. Great. Zone read, everybody knows, kind of has an idea how to stop it. How do the Niners do it? Well, they scrape exchange, right? If the end is accounted for the edge gap and you have the linebacker accounting for the C gap, they'll have the end crash on the linebacker or crash on the back, and then they'll have the linebacker come around and take the edge. Um, which accounts for the quarterback. Well, the way Philadelphia counters for stuff like that is they'll have a built-in RPO where the tight end will leak out to the flat. Now the linebacker's in conflict. If he goes after the quarterback, the quarterback drops it off to the linebacker's guy, which is going to be the tight end in the flat. Well, if the linebacker stays with the tight end, now Hertz picks up eight yards running. So it's really the scheme that that's the matchup. I think Hertz individually as a runner, yeah, he's a terrific runner. He's really strong. He sets up blocks really well. He has great vision. He's got um, great ability to make people miss. But even with all of that, the Niners linebackers are so good, you would favor them in any matchup against any ball carrier. Well, it's sure. when you throw the schematic element with players like Dallas Goddard and then the horizontal pass game with the screens and bubbles they throw to Smith and Brown, who are both really, really good. That's where Philadelphia's offense puts so much pressure, let alone the fact that they run the ball extremely well because their offensive line is so good that they can just straight up kind of move people in the run game. And so when you ask individually about Hurts, that's going to put stress on the Niners defense. But, you know, from a talent standpoint, they should be able to hold up. It's when you add in the scheme, all the little things they do based on the skill set of his ability to run, that puts any defense in conflict. I agree. And that's great insight there. That's the difference. That's why, really, Eagles, Nick Sirianni, and that offensive coaching staff isn't held in high regard in the NFL. Flipping it over to the 49ers side, one level of concern, Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. We've seen this week, Mitchell hasn't practiced all week. McCaffrey with the calf contusion practice today for the first time in limited fashion. Is that, uh, how worrisome is that for you, especially with the Niners trying to run the football in the playoffs? 
Yeah, it is worrisome, right? You need both of them healthy. You need both of them ready to go. Elijah Mitchell looked good. He's been kind of cursed this year. Every time he comes back from injury, he looks like he looks, you know, very good. You know, he looks explosive. He looks fast. He looks strong. He gets hurt again. And so he's kind of snake bitten this year. Knock on wood that he's ready to play. And then same thing with McCaffrey. I thought McCaffrey looked unexplosive on Sunday against Dallas. I really did. I, I thought probably his worst game is a 49er. And they're going to have to run the football in this game. They're going to have to make a statement running the football. The Eagles D is big. Their line's big. Their linebackers are fast. Their their safeties are good. Their scheme is creative. It's not going to be an easy game. They're going to have to run the football because everything in this offense works off running the football. They're going to have to be able to run the football on the perimeter as well. I think this is going to be a big Debo Samuel game. They need Debo Samuel to look the way he looked against Seattle. They need him to set a physical tone. I think for the 49ers to go in into Philadelphia and win, they're going to need Debo Samuel to have a big game in the run and the pass game where, you know, he's setting a physical tone. He's getting to the edge. He's, you know, doing what he does after the catch because if there's one thing I could pencil into Philadelphia's defense, they've had some issues tackling at times this year, and we know who has the best players in the NFL in terms of guys with the ball in their hands. That's the 49ers, right? Ayuk's exceptional. Samuel's the best in the NFL. Kittle's very right. good. Juszczyk, Jennings, Cloud, yeah, McCaffrey, Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you. I think it's huge, especially the Mitchell news, because he hasn't practiced in three straight games. It seemed like in the second half something was bothering him. And uh, in practice, he hasn't practiced in the last three days. Now McCaffrey as well. You could see it in the film last week and that the explosion wasn't there. And the issue is when you don't have that explosiveness with, as a 49ers running back, as McCaffrey has had in past games, the offensive line, it's a good offensive line, but sometimes the struggle is, especially against strong defensive lines, they struggle to move the line of scrimmage in, uh, when you're running in between the tackles and sometimes right. uh, and obviously that's why a lot of the the big runs come outside on the outside zone schemes where you can have the tight ends incorporated in the blocking scheme where you can obviously rely on Trent Williams and the pulling guards and different things like that and so without that level of explosiveness it's tough because some of those four or five yard gains that you get by bursting through might only be a two or three yard gain and it's it slows you down just time and time again and it forces you to pretty much executed a higher level to try and get that touchdown. As for Mitchell, I said before the playoffs coming in after he had his last injury that he was going to be the X factor. We know what Debo Samuel is going to do. We've seen how Christian McCaffrey worked. We saw how really the entire offense worked, but Mitchell, especially in the playoffs adds this level level of physicality that the 49ers don't necessarily have as much in the running back room, apart from Jordan Mason, who just doesn't get the ball. So I thought that Mitchell would generally just be that guy who can be the second half workhorse. When defenses are tired, you get Mitchell back in the game and you see the you essentially reap the benefits and the 49ers did that uh this past week and i think that that's going to be huge because if that groin injury is holding him back what happens with that backup running back position especially if your top guy is still not at 100 percent yeah no absolutely i i agree on all fronts there and the one last thing i would add is with the 49ers offensive line i don't know if it's necessarily an inability to move size because they can it, it it has more to do i think with when they see a lot of different looks from different fronts and they see a lot of movement pre-snap in terms of fronts. Right. And Dallas was doing that a lot. And when you call them to think, or they're not split second, just reaching or not sure exactly where they're going, where they have to redirect their block because they're not sure where their guy is, it can cause a little bit of problems. And that's where the one thing about Philadelphia, though they're a very creative defense is they like to be in that penny front in their base. And that's, 
gonna I'm sure Shanahan's gonna be a plan he's gonna have a plan on how he wants to run the football against that front but yeah I agree it's, it's gonna make a difference to have Elijah Mitchell I mean yeah he was definitely the better ball carrier between him and McCaffrey I would say on Sunday so yeah I agree Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at and real quick before I continue on, I do want to give a shout out to the guys who have tuned in and dropped a comment. Steve Supremo, thank you for tuning in, as well as ja, uh, Jenny Sue here. We will get to your question in a bit, but Arjun Menon from PFF, obviously great with Dana Analytics. Appreciate you for tuning in as well. But going forward with this game, and uh, the number one question might be, with the quarterback position, especially on San Francisco's front, and it's been a part of a lot of talk. Can the quarterback execute at this level? What's your confidence in Brock Purdy going into this game? Yeah, I don't see why you don't have why you aren't confident in Brock Purdy. There's nothing he's done that's given you a reason to not be confident. He's played really, really well. I was actually impressed with how he played against Dallas, mostly because I was unimpressed how he played in the first half against Dallas. And I thought it was really cool to watch him bounce back because you don't expect a rookie quarterback to actually be capable of going through a half like that against probably the stingiest, toughest, fastest, most physical defense he's played. He took a couple of hits, and he didn't lose his poise. And, you know, it's not like they asked him to make big throws, but they asked him to stand in the pocket and make throws. And when he was asked to do that, he made them, and he didn't turn the football over. Yeah, he got a little bit lucky with the Trayvon Diggs play, but I don't really hate that for him because it wasn't a horrible decision from the quarterback, right? You got a little RPO. Anthony Bard does a really nice job getting his hands on the ball and it's a tip pass. Okay. Yeah. Tip passes are still on the quarterback, but it doesn't upset you as much as if he has a decision that's just egregious. And so because of those type of things, I have no reason not to be confident in him. He has the utmost confidence into him in himself. Um, and I'm quite excited to see how he plays. Cause if he goes into Philadelphia and plays really, really well, regardless yeah. of results, I I'm going to have, you know, I don't really know what to describe him as or how to describe him now. I just know he's playing very well now, and I kind of leave it at that. But And I have an opinion on where I think he is, and I also have an opinion that I think he's capable of being a franchise quarterback or you know a starting quarterback for, a long, for the long term for the 49ers. We'll actually see if he achieves that, but I think he's capable. But if he goes into Philadelphia and plays really, really well against this team, I won't just think he's capable. I think he, I'll think he already is because it's yeah. when you're talking about this moment, it's not just the tangible. It's not just the tangibles. It does get a little bit into the intangibles and the poise he's shown, the uh, confidence he's shown, the swagger he's shown, and the the confidence he's shown not to make mistakes and how consistent he's been at not making mistakes has been wildly impressive. I agree. I agree. I think that that's a good way to put it. And like you said. You've got to, I don't know the reason right now to not be confident because at every step, at every obstacle he's faced thus far, Purdy has done what you've wanted him to do. The first half last week, I was unimpressed like you. And I, I was wondering because I was at the game itself. I heard what fans were saying. I was wondering, 
is there going to be a change in the second half? Because Purdy hadn't had, I mean, it's not like he hadn't had a bad first half before, but this is again, the, the playoff environment. This, uh, it's a tough, tough environment. And then when you saw the Ray Ray McLeod fumble, not giving a Purdy the chance to come back and kind of get that drive going, then the confidence kind of lowers a little bit, but then you see how Purdy responds in the second half. And really without him, even with the way the run game was working in, in little chunks in the second half, Without him, the 49ers don't win that game. It's important to note that he really stepped it up, and that's the thing. The poise, the confidence, that's traits that you really can't teach, and that's something that we've seen, how he's been able to bounce back this game, the Raiders game. And, I mean, I, I can't blame him for not, like, for something that we necessarily haven't seen, because if the 49ers have been winning a lot of games that have been up in the second half, we haven't necessarily seen that. And so I wasn't going to say the jury was out until we saw what happens at the end of the game and really moving forward. He answered the test, and that's why the confidence should be fairly high going into this game, even against a tough uh, defense yeah. in Philly going forward. Yeah, and, and I think another way to kind of give an example of how well he's playing is, and it's not necessarily to take a shot at Jimmy Garoppolo. It's more to just give some context on how difficult – it is. So you're slandering was, Jimmy Garoppolo. No, when he was playing from the lead, right, you see some of the throws he made and you can say, yes, he was throwing a lot to open receivers, right? It was a third and three McCaffrey, a little backside slant. Got it. Like third and two, Brandon Ayuk, little slant, him and Anthony Barr one-on-one. -on -one, he's got it, right? He's got George Kittle open. He makes a throw. Like these guys are open, but in the Super Bowl, when the Niners were up 20 to 10, these opportunities were there in the offense. And we saw you know, the quarterback got rattled a little bit. And even when guys are open and the pocket is a little bit muddy and you got to make a throw and you have it on time and there and available, it's still hard to do it. And he did it. He did it consistently. He was accurate. He made the right decisions with poise. And so, like, maybe that says more about Garoppolo than it says about Purdy, and that's totally mm -hmm. okay. But the fact that he showed he was capable of doing that and the fact that he was able to hold that lead for them, right? Because they didn't just hold the lead on defense. They had drives. They had sustenance on offense, right? They took the 16 to 12 lead. Then they got a field goal. Then they got a couple of first downs as well on the subsequent drive too. So when you throw all of that in there, I it's how are you not impressed by him? That's the question I always ask. How are you right. not just blown away that this is a seventh round rookie playing like this? I agree. I, I agree. I think that's the best way to put it. We have a question here from the chat, and I think it's funny. I, I, it's I Eric Davis. This is why he said it. Eric Davis, the reason that uh, I found it funny, because this was the game. I was at the game, and this was the question they put up on the board. Yeah, uh, they, asked the boy, Akash, yeah. they asked the Yeah, They asked the because I know because I was it was on Twitter. I think this guy is asking because oh, really? he Ooh. thinks one of us is Akash, maybe. <laughs> that happens quite a lot. But um, anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, they put it up, and then somebody asked Akash if he got the question right. And the question that was on the screen – when Akash posted the picture of him asking it was who leads the 49ers in playoff rushing touchdowns. And Akash goes, I got it wrong. So I tweeted at him. I was like, dude, is it not Steve Young? Like, is this a yeah. completely complex answer? And then he goes, no, no, no. My question was who had the pick six in the pick 94 six. playoff game. And that was Eric Davis. Davis. And it's funny because the Niners actually have recreated that play. Um, In 2013, Tremaine Brock picked off Matt Schaub on the same exact play, just like I think it was Merton Hanks who tells Eric Davis to jump the route. Eric Reed tells Tremaine Brock to jump the route. First play of the game versus Houston. I think that was Matt Schaub's like 
fourth or third or fourth straight game with a pick six. That was kind of the end of Matt Schaub in 2013. Vernon Davis had a big 60-yard touchdown in that game. So pretty cool 49ers trivia there. Yeah, maybe we see one more in this game. Diamond of the North, three straight games. We'll see. Possibly, but, possibly. Yeah, but one of the other schematic matchups that I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, Kyle Shanahan versus Jonathan Gannon. Gannon, he's an interesting coordinator because Eagles fans have the love-hate relationship with Gannon. I personally, I think he's a good coordinator. I think he is a good coordinator. And the one thing that I've seen from him that sometimes I might disagree with is his love for quarter coverage or quarter-quarter half coverage when you have those two elite cornerbacks. Do you think that that's going to be a factor in this game? And how do you think Kyle Shanahan schemes against this defense? I mean, he's done a good job in the past, right? But, I mean, Gannon, he obviously, his roots in his defense is the Vic Fangio stuff, right? Which is really prevalent today, but he actually runs it. Like, it's going to be the same defense, the Rams, Green Bay. Um, obviously, uh, the Chargers with Brandon Staley. And I actually thought they had a, by the way, side point, I thought they had a very good plan. The Chargers did with all the injuries they had against the 49ers offense this year. So we might see similarities to that. But I think Gannon's a really good coach. I think they're very talented on defense. I think Shanahan will have some answers and they'll be able to get some plays. But I think this game is going to be more about the Niners defense versus um, Philadelphia's offense. There's a couple more things I feel like that haven't been talked about. I know you want to talk about Shanahan and Gannon, but I think the matchup is more there. When you talk about, you know, the Niners, they like to spread their defensive linemen out, right, to create one-on-one -on -one matchups. They have the wide nine technique. They like, like to line up with a two-eye and a right. three technique. Well, this is all great. When you rush Jalen Hurts from these wide rush angles, you give Jalen Hurts now rush lanes to escape between your defensive linemen and run. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. Then – you know, the Niners eliminate the middle of the field completely in the past game, right? They have Warner, who's the best. They have Greenlaw, who's good. They have Ward, who's really good. And they eliminate the middle of the field. Well, the Eagles throw the ball outside of the numbers really well. And so you can play quarters. You can play three deep. You can do these things. But the Eagles will throw out routes, right? The Eagles will throw fades. They'll throw goes. And Jalen Hurts throws all right. of those things really well. And their receivers actually have a favorable matchup between Smith and Brown against the Niners corners. And then the last thing is the Niners haven't really pressed their corners in the playoffs. They've played right. a lot of this They've soft a lot off, of off coverage, coverage, right? Right. You play off coverage. This team is going to kill you by just throwing 10 yard outs. They're going to take the free access slants. They're going to, AJ Brown will eat you up. So are they going to get up into these receivers and then challenge them? And then when you do that, ideally you want Mooney Ward playing AJ Brown. Well, Jimmy Ward right. said that the big difference to Diamador Lenore in the playoffs is that He's been playing just right cornerback, and Mooney Ward has just been playing left cornerback. Well, then when you do play, because you're going to play a lot of three deep versus this team, right? That's how you're going to stop the run. When you do play a lot of cover three, are you going to are you going to trust Lenore to step up and press AJ Brown and do that right. for 10, 15 snaps again? So that's where to me this entire matchup is. I think this Gannon versus Shanahan thing is kind of the side piece to it. Because I think the 49ers offense is capable of doing just enough if the Niners defense does its job. And then I think the Eagles defense is capable of getting one or two stops if the Eagles offense does what the Chiefs, who have been the only team to really do it, and the Raiders who had success, but mainly the Chiefs did, which is go up and down the field against this Niners defense. So I think the matchup really lies in how whether, which team dictates between the Eagles offense and the Niners defense, because I think the, the other part is complementary to that. 
Right. And the added part about that, because we obviously are talking about the Sirianni Ryans and we're talking about in pass in the passing game. The added part about that is on top of all of that, you've got this prolific rushing attack that Philadelphia has that makes it challenging because you do want to uh, have bodies near the line of scrimmage so that you can defend the run. And you do want to have uh, you, you do want to fill the gaps well, but you also need to manage that while playing in coverage. And obviously a play action game is going to be big. So it seems like this game is really about at least in the front seven. Can you be disciplined enough in, in certain elements? Because can you fit your gaps well, but can you also have good gap exchanges when Jalen Hurts is going out? Can you really go through the entirety of uh, entire motions of this game and play clean football defensively? Yeah. I think that that's important because if you can, the one thing I said earlier this week, if you can try and subsidize one element of the game, then it makes it easier uh, to to combat the the matchups that you're talking about. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where you talked about it. Execution and discipline is obviously going to be the most key thing. And then I think the most important thing for the night for for the Niners is it's this game is going to come down to first and second down to me for the Niners on offense. Can we be successful on first and second down? Because if you put the Niners in third and eight at Philadelphia with that pass rush, it doesn't matter about this offensive line. It's good night for Brock Purdy. That's it. That's all she wrote. You're not going to win the game if that's going to be the game. And then if you're the Niners defense, same thing you want to do. You want to put the Eagles in third and six, third and seven. You want to make Hurts stand in the pocket and read out a concept and see if he can do that on third and long. You let them RPO you and zone read you and get to second and two, third and one, third and two, and they have the element of run pass on every single play. They will they will be clinical up and down the field. There's just too much talent, and the, the scheme is too good between the run and the pass. And so to me, this game is going to come down to first and second down. Can you create positive gains on first down for both offenses? And then both defenses are going to try and do the same exact thing because the defenses, when they, when you're one in one dimensional, these pass rushes are so good. These secondaries are so good that they'll eat these quarterbacks alive. If they get to third and seven, third and eight. And that circles back. That circles back to the original part where, how do the 49ers churn to get those third and favorables? You've got to manage the run game well, but you've got to also manage the pass game well. And I want to get your thoughts on something because the 49ers have implemented a similar uh, game plan in both of their playoff games. They've gone pass heavy in a way in the first half, tried to stretch the defenses out, especially when defenses are putting more men in the box to try and neutralize and dare Brock Purdy to throw. And then in the second half, in both games, they've shifted towards a more run-oriented approach, tried to bring the physicality as the game goes along, utilizing guys like Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel and trying to essentially uh, not necessarily kill the clock. You might view it as conservative as well, but trying to essentially in, impose what their strength is, and that's their physicality while moving that run game along, which is Kyle Shanahan's forte. Do you envision a similar game plan to try and uh, get to those easier third downs to try and get more scoring because you're going to need more scoring against the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, if you're Philadelphia, right, you want to be as aggressive as possible. You're playing at home. It's a playoff game. You want to kind of dictate to the Niners offense. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they come and they sh- they they stack the box and they're a little aggressive early and they have their corners challenging these receivers at the line of scrimmage because you want to see if Shanahan is first going to be willing to take those shots against you and then you want to see if you can you know entice Brock Purdy to get a little aggressive and give the game away early and so I I think that's definitely going to be part of it and I think 
the Niners are going to have to show Philadelphia that they can consistently throw the football on first down and I think scare them um, into not being in heavy run defense looks. At least that would be my guess for Philadelphia. Of course, Jonathan Gannon and me are not the same person. He's way smarter than me, so he could have whatever plan going on that actually ends up working. But my guess would be that Philadelphia will have to see the Niners show that they can challenge these corners and throw the ball outside the numbers. Otherwise, I think they're going to take the middle of the field away and they're going to stop the run. And they can do it in a lot of different ways. They like cross-keying their safeties and stuff where they'll rob middle-of-the-field routes and you'll think they're playing too high, but both safeties are playing as robbers and they're taking away crossers. They'll do a lot of creative things like that. And so it'll be interesting because Brock Purdy, to me, hasn't really made too many egregious processing mistakes when you watch him play like from the pocket in terms of how he reads things how he's progressing through things sometimes he's missing sometimes he's run out of the pocket but it's never anything egregious we'll see because this is going to be they're going to rotate a lot they're going to rotate late and then yeah i think they're going to if the niners have everything coming in breaking towards the middle of the field they will cross key their safeties which will cause some problems and the, the the interesting part about it, because Philadelphia does a lot with their defensive scheme, especially, like you said, with the safeties. Well, Brock Purdy, on the other hand, the thing what we've seen so far, and I really think is an underrated part of his game, he's done really good in eyeing off defenders. That's a part of that processing you talk about, where he creates passing lanes by uh, through his eyes, and sometimes that's how you get these middle-of-the-field uh, passes from Brock Purdy. Sometimes it's to George Kittle. Sometimes it's just on these quick in-routes where it's a quick hitter. And Brock Purdy's job is essentially get that safety off the middle of the field, hit his target. And he's done a good job, but now with the way that Philadelphia operates, who's going to get the better side of that battle? Right, absolutely, absolutely. Going to the final topic of today, X-Factor. We've talked about a lot of things on both sides. What do you think is going to be an X-Factor for both the 49ers and the Eagles in this game? Yeah, I've talked about a bunch of things, right? It's the RPO game, the run game, um, so many different things. To me, the game is going to come down to outside of the numbers. Are the Niners corners going to be willing to challenge these receivers at the line of scrimmage? You're going to give up a couple of plays to these receivers, but how aggressive are you willing to be? Um, Because I, I do think, look, Ward has had an awesome season, and Lenore has actually played quite well. I, I think some of the stuff, the weakness stuff was overblown. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. It's hard when Niners Twitter or Niners whatever gets stuck in certain narratives. It's hard to really argue the opposite. I gave up a long time ago um, after I was called an idiot too many times for arguing the opposite. Maybe I am an idiot and they were right. But anyway, all that stuff is overblown. They've had good seasons, but those two receivers are really good. Brown and Smith are really, really good. Um, And even with that, I I still would take the Niners' corners. I think they can take their chances here. I think they can play man a few times and hold up. I think Ward is capable of having a good game against Brown. It's the kind of receiver he matches up well with, even given what Metcalf did to him a couple weeks ago. And so because of that, I I think it's going to come down to outside the numbers. How willing are the Niners to challenge them with their corners? And if they are, I think they're going to have a really, really good shot at stopping them on offense. Because if you don't give them these free access outs and these outbreaking routes and these sales um, and these goes and fades, which are all routes Hurts throws really well and which take a little bit less processing, right? You're just seeing the out and you're mm-hmm. just throwing with timing. You know what they're in. 
if you're not going to give that away to them, I think with the way the Niners take away the middle of the field, with the speed of their linebackers and the way they've defended the run this year, they're going to have a really, really nice shot at stopping this offense. I think that that's a good way to talk about that, especially the outside the numbers battle, because when you've talked about the 49ers in their last two games in the playoffs, one big thing, they've not given up many explosives, right? In the Seattle game, it was the 50-yard touchdown to Metcalf. That was the big explosive and really the biggest way that Seattle scored. They didn't have a touchdown outside of that, apart from that last last minute touchdown in garbage time. And then in Dallas, the big play was the CeeDee Lamb uh, catch. That didn't amount to any points in that game. What I'm saying is the 49ers, be it Lenore or Traverius Ward, have really mitigated the, the the deep ball, the explosive passes that Philadelphia likes to run. Jalen Hurts is a good downfield thrower. That's one of his biggest improvements He's from a great last year to this thrower. year. Exactly. And so I think that that battle is going to be interesting because if the 49ers can take away that part of his game by really uh, mitigating the explosive plays again, that's going to be a good part in neutralizing this Eagles offense to where that matchup where you said was going to be a huge part, the San Francisco defense versus that Philly offense becomes a bit easier if those corners are able to play like that. Yeah, I agree. Now, before we end, score. Or who do you think wins? Yeah, so I picked the 49ers before the playoffs. I picked this exact NFC Championship game as 99% of the world did. It was the most obvious thing <laughs> yeah. to pick in this playoffs. But – I've been wrestling with it back and forth. In a lot of ways, if you just asked me to pick the game and take my fandom out of it, I, I would pick Philadelphia. I think I would pick Philadelphia something close, 28-24. I sense a butt. Something like that. But I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to go there with you go. the 49ers. I want the 49ers to win, obviously. It would be mightily frustrating if Philadelphia wins. One of my friends is a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and boy, is he toxic when they win. And when the 49ers lose, I'll tell you that. But, um, yeah, because of that, um, yeah, I think I'll take the 49ers. And I think I'll take them 24-23, recreate the score of 2011 when Justin okay. Smith ran down Jeremy Macklin. So 24-23. Cool. I like to see it. I took some heat for my opinion yesterday. Some people know it. And, uh, unfortunately, it was of the opposite uh, group. But I did say. Either team could easily win this matchup. It's really, truly a toss. No, no, no. But who did you pick? Who did you pick? I picked the Eagles. I did say okay. the Eagles were going to win. I, I did take some heat. And I where are you sitting right now? Where are you sitting? I'm sitting in the 49ers locker room. Which Yeah, they're going to revoke that pass. Oh, they're no. going to get you oh, out no. of there. Oh, no. But I did pick the Eagles to win. Got to stick with it because that's, 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 what, uh, that's what I went with. But like I said... Either team could win. It's really a, a, a truly a tough test for both teams, and that's why this game might be one of the best games that we've seen all year in general. Absolutely. I, this is this is one of the most exciting championship weekends in a yeah. while. There's no anticlimactic, you know, Chiefs versus Titans, and you know Mahomes <laughs> is going to do what he does, or Chiefs. I guess the Chiefs-Bills have been good matchups in the past. And then the Chiefs-Bengals right. was a good game, but I really thought last year Kansas City was going to dog walk them, and it looked like they were going to dog walk them for a while in that game before that entire sequence of plays happened at the end of the second half. But I think this is really exciting because for the first time in a while, to me, we have the four best teams in the NFL, top to bottom, from, from the regular season, all healthy and all ready to go to finish this season. So 
This is going to yeah. be a great weekend. You're lucky you get to watch it now in the Midwest, right? The sports is better here. I didn't realize how early it was. I did not realize this game. Like, over there on the West Coast, I think, what is this game? Like at 12 or 30 or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's I'm, early. I don't man. know. I'm in the Midwest. It's a, what, 2.30 oh. game? Yeah, 2.30 game. At least that's better than 12.30. A little more time zone centric here. But, hey, Vish, I really appreciate your time, man. It, it's been a great show. Uh, thank you for having uh, coming on, and uh, glad we can do this. Of course, anytime, Rohan. Thank you for having me. Those of you guys in the chat, always, as always, appreciate you guys for sharing your support here on this Friday afternoon. 49ers-Eagles, Sunday. We're going to be back with a post-game show. I'll be live later today on Chris Polo's show, The Polo Show, so be sure to tune into that, and be sure to download on Apple Podcasts as well. Appreciate you all. We'll see you guys next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.